I can do it, guys. I can do it. Okay, about 40 here. So, I'm fascinated by our, our ability to influence other people. Right? Because this influence almost never occurs directly. Right? The more the force you try to put into it, the more explicit you try to make your attempts at influencing other people less successful will be. So, for example, if I talk to my friends about how much I'm enjoying cricket, World Cup of Cricket, and the chances are, you know, five or ten percent of them will be interested, and uh, they might even read something on it or watch a bit of a match or something. But if I try to talk to people I know and try to make the argument, oh, you should watch cricket, you should become a cricket fan, cricket's great, it's better than baseball, I'll have actually zero chance. Uh, so I'm listening to a great novel right now, Wellness, by Nathan Hill. But if I try to tell people, oh, you should, you should read Wellness by Nathan Hill, nobody will listen to me in my real life. Uh, you're choosing to you know, listen to me on, online. So it's a little different dynamic. But if I just happen to mention that, that I'm, I'm enjoying this novel in my real life... Uh, you know, more than 1% of people will, will take an interest in this novel. So, I'm fascinated by how we condition, incentivize uh, people to treat us. So, I'm fascinated by this idea I heard from Dennis Prager that we all emit a force field and that it affects people around us. So when Dennis Prager walks into a room, he emits a very strong force field and it changes people's behavior. Uh, When I walk into a room, it doesn't usually change people's behavior, but to the extent it does, uh, it most likely be in the direction of uh, making some jokes. So... I periodically enjoy making fun of myself and I think we all enjoy people who can take the mickey out of themselves, who can kind of step out of themselves, be reflexive and recognize ridiculous things that they've been saying and doing or wanting, pursuing. That's just when I had my air conditioning and heater going on simultaneously for about an hour on Sunday morning. I mean... That's so difficult of me. So I think we all enjoy someone who can poke fun at themselves. But I think we're all made distinctly uncomfortable and shy away from people who are filled with self-loathing. And we don't like people who don't respect themselves. Right? Someone who doesn't respect themselves, we shy away from that. So... I recognize that I've created a pattern in my real life where a large proportion of people must feel incentivized, encouraged, drawn to 
uh, treating me with uh, considerable disrespect. So I elicit that in people. I encourage that in people. And that's kind of fascinating and disturbing to me. So I, I enjoy when you know there, there are many laughs at my expense. But then there's a certain point. I just feel it when it goes over the top. So uh, there's someone in my life who uh, mocks me for being geriatric because I'm 57 and I just find that hilarious and this wonderful dog in my life I'm constantly telling this golden doodle oh I love you I love you and my friend then goes beyond that and mocks me and says oh I love you I'm a psycho <laughs> you know I love you. Run away from me. I'm a very sick man. And I find that hilarious. Uh, but it reflects something in me, right? I elicit that response in people. I may have a little bit of a teeny weeny eeny problem with uh, self-respect. And I do not like it when people go, oh, you know, you're 57, you must wear diapers. You must need depends. Like, I don't like potty humor, particularly not potty humor at my expense. But uh, there must be you know, some kind of vibe, something that I'm giving off that encourages you know, potty humor at my expense. This doesn't just spring out of nowhere. So it's not just individuals, it's also groups and, uh, and nation states and communities, right? Who condition how people react to them. So most people would be you know, way too afraid to draw Muhammad because of the very possible life-threatening implications of doing that. Most people understandably would be concerned about publicly disrespecting Islam because of the you know, life-threatening consequences of that. So you know, Muslims by and large have you know, cowered a lot of uh, public criticism of them as a group because of the robust way they defend their interests. Like out of the the major monotheist religions, Islam seems to have the longest, thickest history of it's, it's a good thing to kill unbelievers or mockers or infidels in your midst. And then Jews have very strong self-defense organizations. Uh, gays and lesbians do too and so the robustness with which you know, gays and the LGBT crowd often defend their interests has substantially intimidate a lot of people from publicly criticizing them so what the heck is self-respect I guess it means treating yourself as you would wish to see your, your best friends treated. 
as you would wish to see the people you love the most in your life treated. So, all this was inspired by a Sam Backman video. Like the only six rules you need for life. <laughs> and number one was on self-respect. You know, you must treat yourself with self-respect. If you don't treat yourself with self-respect, other people will abuse you and take advantage of you. And uh, it kind of tied in with a lot of my real life experience. And it just really struck me this morning. Wish I had more time to read up on. You know, what is self-respect? I might have a tiny, tiny weeny problem here with encouraging other people to disrespect me. So what the heck is self-respect? So I condition how other people relate to me. So you now I bathe every day, probably twice a day usually. Um, I think I dress reasonably well. Uh, eat, eat a solid diet. I, work out, get, get proper sleep, and consciously allow people to abuse me. What the heck does it mean to treat yourself with self-respect? Oh, I value my time. So I cut people off when they're sucking my time. So on the spectrum, where on the one hand, very quick to cut people off if they're sucking your time but you're going to come across as rude this is the other side of the spectrum so it's really important to you to be nice and so you allow people often to suck too much of your time now much more on the rude blunt direct side of the spectrum than uh, than on the accommodating Hi, I love the Nathaniel Brandon books on the uh, Self-esteem. Self-esteem is something that's earned. So I guess one, one bit of philosophy I have on uh, self-respect is it's like almost everything else is good, uh, not best achieved through direct attack. Right? It's much more of a byproduct. So I think it's largely a byproduct of having a mission. I have a strong sense of mission. I want to keep communicate my ideas to the world, which is hilarious because I've been going back through some of my old blog posts and rewriting and editing and, and deleting, and uh, a great deal of the things that I've written and said online, I am not proud of. In fact, I really don't like a lot of it. And you would think a normal person has produced as much uh, distasteful content online as I have would uh, have a lot, lot more caution, concern, second guessing of himself putting more content online. Like if I look back at stuff I said and wrote five years ago, seven years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago, twenty-five years ago, and I don't like a great deal of it. Why am I so enthused and dedicated to putting 
you know, more stuff online today because this is how I viscerally experience it. Oh, you know, I'm going to overcome the bad stuff I've done in the past by putting out, you know, more good stuff today. But sometimes I get caught you know, chasing my own tail where I've got both the, the air conditioner and the heater going on at the same time. So, yeah, I think a normal person would probably pause a lot more after I, I reread things that I've written many years ago and go, oh, I really don't like that, before I then leap into producing more scintillating, compelling content like this. So I guess uh, this is one safeguard I have, which will strike a normie is just like self-evident, so self-evident that it shouldn't even need to be stated. But when you go online to say something, imagine your audience, in your audience, you're your biggest enemy, a lawyer, uh, your mother, your best friend, Right, imagine all these different audiences. Like, imagine these are the people you'll sit next to on the train or on the bus or interact with at work, or you'll see at synagogue, right, your favorite sports bar, and let those relationships you know, shape and influence how you speak online. So I think if I can keep this you know, such commonsensical, obvious perspective in mind, I'd be less likely to say things that uh, later appall me. Another way of getting to that is to keep in mind people who've been kind to me. Keep in mind people who've been good to me. And have those relationships you know, on my heart as I speak. Alright, what's going on in the chat? We went 30 minutes overtime in my latest meeting. Psychological safety is key phrase at work. Making mistakes is human. People are afraid to make any decision at all because they're afraid to make a mistake. Seems like most people are afraid of commitment to anything these days. Uh, the guy is a theme for today is self-respect. Like, what the heck is it? And, uh, what's the big, God forbid, chink in my armor that is putting off this vibe of inviting disrespectful treatment, even contempt. And uh, what's, the, what's the line between appropriate self-criticism, like the appropriate ability to laugh at oneself, an appropriate level of reflexivity. You know, reflexive means to, to notice and to monitor whatever you're saying and doing from an outside perspective. But it feels icky when people are engaged in disrespecting themselves. It feels icky when people exude self-loathing. So, is this stream making you feel icky? Am I making you feel uncomfortable? Have I made this an unsafe space for you? All right, let's pray on, let's meditate on. Bye-bye.